people, the gold standards golden girl, Miss Mary J. Blige, is coming in today for her annual Make Me Understand What I Pay You People For meeting. So we better be ready. Chris. Uh, I'm ready, Ari. Bradley. Wearing my best tie, Ari. Great. Zip up that fly. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from San Francisco, California. Good to be back on the West Coast. Had an incredible week in New York City. Saw Fraser Tharp. Tried to meet up with a couple other people that we were potentially trying to get involved with the podcast. Those things fell through. Such is the way when it comes to show business. I got a Twitter notification a couple weeks ago when I had Connor Toole on from some listener that was so friendly enough to say, hey, why don't you stop having your bro Bible friends on and actually get someone from the cast on the show? So this week, I have one of my friends from bro Bible on, Matt Cohan, writer for the website for the past five years, always been a little bit more behind the scenes, doesn't have a huge like Twitter or Instagram presence. However, he's a funny, talented dude, great voice, great Boston accent, and a diehard Entourage fan. Came to the table with some good theories, a nice point of view, and that's the type of person I want to have on the Entourage podcast. If you don't think that I'm working week after week to get Jerry Ferrara, Kevin Connolly, Kevin Dillon, Jeremy Piven on, uh, you're crazy. Of course I'm doing that. In the meantime, though, I'm going to continue to have some of my funny friends and comedians on. And if you guys have problems with that, I'm sorry. Go find another Entourage podcast. I don't mean to say that spitefully. I'm doing the best I can here. This is a fun show that brings people close together, and I've had nothing but a blast getting to know people and talking to people about Entourage. But sometimes I have to question just how seriously people are taking this. Anyways, end of my rant. Great episode. Matt Cohan. Check the guy out. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter. We're going to get him more involved in audio and video content at Bro Bible. These last four episodes or so of season four are some of the best in the show's run. Can't wait to break it down with some outstanding guests. Thank you guys for listening. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter, at JR Will Do It. Don't forget to follow the social media accounts, at Oh Yeah Pod. And keep those reviews coming. You guys are being honest in the reviews, which I appreciate, and I'm just going to keep betting for them, like the little podcasting whore that I am. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you next Monday. All right, my guest this week is a very funny writer for BroBible.com. He is dialing in from Boston, Massachusetts. Matt Cohan, welcome to the Entourage Podcast. JR, I appreciate you having me on this this podcast. It definitely scratches an itch I didn't know I had, so uh, I appreciate it. But before, before we get started, I do actually have a small bone to pick with you, though. What is it? Let's hear it. <laughs> it's for giving me the episode directly after the Day Fuckers episode when Drama dresses in the rabbit suit and has the sex. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure we can get past that, but I'm I'm willing to try not to take that personally. Listen, I appreciate it. I was in New York. Fraser Tharp's one of our longest running guests, and oh, he he requested it. Yeah, he's a legend. He requested it. We were in person. It had to be done. So I understand. I could see there's been there's some fall off between Dave Fuckers and Gary's desk. Let's be honest. Well, yeah. I mean, I got. I was gonna say, I got the next best thing—the episode about the fucking office desk. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll get into all that. I don't want to. I don't want to start negative because I think there's some funny things to extrapolate from this no, episode. There, but there are some great things here. The, it, it, in terms of like um, all-time status, it kind of goes off of a cliff <laughs> between episodes seven and episodes eight. Right. Before we dive into all that stuff. Matt, what is your experience with Entourage like? Well, when did you first start watching it? You know, did you ever did you watch it through the movie? Did you watch it in real time? Yeah, so I, it debuted in in two thousand and four when I was a when I was a junior in high school. So I went to an all boys Catholic school north of Boston, and I had like a pretty militant dad. Like my brothers and I had curfew and everything, and I had like a lot of acne. So like partying and like sex and unwarranted confidence and really everything this show embodies was just like a concept to me. Uh, so like for a guy who hadn't quite blossomed yet, uh, like Entourage was very appealing because it showed that like undeserved success in, in punching up was like attainable for the ordinary. So in a lot of ways, it's a show about like the losers winning. So I, I obviously watched all eight seasons and it came full circle for me a, a few years back. And, th- and this story involves a couple mutual friends of ours. So if you don't mind me stealing the floor for a couple more minutes. 
hundred percent to do it. Uh, so the Entourage movie came out in, in May of 2015 and mm-hmm. I had just quit my job to start at Bro Bible two months earlier. So I was still kind of an eager beaver, you know, wearing collared shirts to the office, like putting product in my hair and, you know, Sheryl Sandberg leaning in, if you will, JR. Yeah. So in the very first PR perk I got was uh, from this job was like a media pre-screening of the Entourage movie. Oh, that and, is the most Bro Bible 2014, dude, was, 2015 was, perk. Great, because I had never, I had never uh, experienced anything. I've never gotten these perks from from my other jobs, so it was really nice. And and I remember Brandon Wenard, who you've had on the podcast. He's Bro Bible's OG and co-founder. Yep. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to go, and and obviously like immediately accepted. Uh, because I, I love Entourage and, you know, wanted to be one of the guys. Uh, so, but my, my very next thought after that was like, and I've never had this urge for any other movie I've ever seen in theaters, but I was like, I really need to get drunk for this. <laughs> and, and like, mind you, it's like a Tuesday. And like, for me, drinking in theaters is like getting drunk on an airplane. Like I've never really understood the appeal. It's like, you know, great. I have to pee and have a migraine and can't do anything about either. But like, Entourage, as you know, it's probably one of the reasons why you started this this franchise here. It's one of the, it's one of those franchises that kind of pulls the party out of you. You know, yeah. it's like when I watch like Mad Men, I'm like all I want to do is like smoke cigarettes and drink in my car. You know, yeah. it's like this is like this Entourage is like brings that out of you. So I had this deep desire to get you know intoxicated for this movie, but you know I was too green and too much of a tight ass to ask Brandon if we should you know drink for it. Uh, which for your listeners, it, it's ironic because for those who haven't seen Brandon, he's uh, he's basically like, and you know this, Jr. He's basically like if uh, Zach Galifianakis mated with like a Tiva sandal. <laughs> he's somehow been to more fish shows than days I've been alive. But you know, the point is, he, he's probably the nicest, most approachable guy on earth. Anyway, I decided to be like a good little employee and you know keep my mouth shut. Uh, but as we're getting ready to leave, I'm like, all right, this is a lost cause. I see uh, I see Brandon grab his phone, his keys, his wallet, and he opens up his drawer in his desk and pulls out a two-liter bottle of bullet whiskey. Oh, perfect. I was, like, I was like, at that moment, I was like, I have a future here. So <laughs> Brandon, me, and Bro Bible legend David Cavucci, who you've had on this podcast as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm lapping all the Bro Bible people. <laughs> Everyone gets the, gets multiple appearances. You have to plug the brand. Yeah. Uh, so we sat there for 28 minutes or however long the movie was, you know, <laughs> pulling from this, from this bottle and JR, I'm, I'm not kidding. When I say the only thing I remember from that movie is the very first scene. I'm not sure if you remember it, but yeah, the, uh, the boys are pulling up to the yacht filled with beautiful women and drama like pulls away from his binoculars. And he say, I may have to jerk it before I get there. Oh, they're it's like, like, yeah, it was like, they're like 12 feet away from the boat. And it was just like. <laughs> An incredible tone-setting drama line. But yeah, it definitely that, sets the tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sets the tone. But outside of that, I don't remember a thing. We could have, like, been watching Selma for all I know. Were you guys just pulling from one bottle of bullet, the three of you? It, it started to get really wet, too. Like, the top oh, of it. And I was like, oh. this, is, this seems just like a, a burden at this point. But And there were other, like, media types in there with, like, their notepads for, like, their entourage think pieces. And, like... Yep. Brandon, David, and I are, like, just trying not to puke in our laps. So. The three guys from Bro Bible are, like, they didn't even bring cups with, like, mixers <laughs> no. in them. They're just... Yeah. We didn't even have the, you know, we didn't even have the audacity to bring cups. So What's that. funny is if you went to a screening now, like a press screening, is they'd fucking frist you. And they they definitely would take that off you. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that right? Yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been in, a, in, a, in a little bit, so. I mean, granted, we got there before, so glad we did brought up some good memories that's a great story with some great people that have been on this great podcast about this great show <laughs> exactly you couldn't have said it better myself let's uh let's dive into episode eight of season four gary's desk do this every week but it aired on sunday august 5th 2007 just the night before san francisco giants outfielder barry bonds tied hank aaron for the most career home runs with 755. Just two days later on Tuesday night, he hit his 756th career home run in the fifth inning of the Giants game against the Washington Nationals at AT AT&T Park, passing Hank Aaron as all-time home runs leader. He was greeted at the home plate by his family, his teammates, and his godfather, Willie Mays. The man who caught the ball was identified as Matt Murphy, a 22-year-old from Queens, New York, 
who was a fan of the Mets and was on a stopover en route to Australia. He caught the ball, survived a near riot, and was given a police escort out of there. Quick recap of this episode, then we'll dive into the categories. While E gets a new office and tries to announce his position as Vince's manager, Vince and Turtle fight with Gary Busey over an antique desk with a rich Hollywood history. Matt, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? My my favorite moment, I think I think it's it's got to be seeing drama with his shirt off, like <laughs> ready to be Gary Busey's easel. <laughs> Please, Gary, do you have to throw it at me? You want him in close, working you over with brushes? We'll get to the details later. Keep your eyes straight, please. Don't look at the paint. The paint will be on you soon. I can see. (laughs) (laughs) Looking good, Johnny. Whoa. Ah. I just talked to the store. You will have the desk this afternoon. Whoa. (laughs) Great. You better love it. You're paying for my therapy. Therapy will let you down. This is your therapy. I haven't seen, obviously, I haven't seen Entourage for a while, so just digging back into this, I forgot, like, drama's torso. It's kind of shaped like an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> it's like, so tasty. Uh, it's such a forgettable body. But, but more importantly, I think, it's, I think it's a microcosm of drama's personality because, like, the only thing that trumps his insecurity with himself and his body is his desire to be relevant. Yeah. So he would have done whatever Busey had asked because he was personally selected over his, you know, his big shot brother, you know, so being chosen was enough. It didn't matter that he was being chosen for like the paint bukkake. He was genuinely excited when Busey says, I want to paint you drama. And then there's the turn of like, no, I want to paint on you. And he kind of gives Turtle that look. It's, it's a great scene, honestly. Yeah, that was a great scene. And it ended up actually being the ultimate team player move because they, you know, spoiler alert, got the desk out of it. Yeah, Vince says to him, like, it's for E, remember that. Drama standing there in, like, his early 2000s giant boxers, though, was hilarious to me. Like, I don't, I used to wear boxers like that because that was just kind of all that was available. And it's funny seeing that now, now that you have, we're talking about men's underwear five minutes into the podcast, but like now you got like a little more form fitting boxer brief, something a little more breathable. He looks like he's wearing basketball shorts. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if, if I saw someone like, if I saw someone in in a gym locker room wearing like actual boxer shorts, I'd probably call the police on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd report them to like at least security at the (laughs) the gym or something. The least you can do as a citizen. My favorite moment is now, it's kind of a toss-up for me whether or not I liked the whole twins plotline and the Slar right. brothers as characters. Like, it, it's not very memorable. But the actual scene when Ari finds out why they're fighting is pretty funny. It's a great yeah. performance by Piven. It's a great, great call on that one. Now, with that in mind, tell me why, in God's name, is this happening? He fucked my wife, Ari. He did not. You you did? You fucked his wife? As you? What? Did you pretend to be him? Or did she actually fuck you thinking you were you? You think this is funny? No, I think it's disgusting. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out why she did that. I mean, if I were to cheat on my wife, it would be with like a... You know, a busty blonde or a, an Asian with pointy nipples, but an exact fucking replica. Stop, Ari, right. Ari, we get it, okay? We're sorry, and we will work it out. There's nothing to work out. See what I'm dealing with here? You see this? Shut up, shut up, Lloyd. It's such a great question that you would immediately have in that situation, and it's it, a comedic it, it, high point of the episode. When he says that, like, you can see Piven's face. Uh, sorry, Ari, if you should call him by character. Whatever. And he's just, he's just pulling back. And like, it's like he got punched in the face. It was such yeah. like a good, uh, it was such a good display of acting. And I forgot how, how good Piven was at that. Like just kind of, you know, telling a story without actually saying anything, you know? So he, that was good to see. You're watching the wheels turn in his head as he's like acting, which is, which is a, what makes a good actor. You're like following the performance essentially. Right, um, right, exactly. That's probably the high point of that entire plot line, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Matt, what was your favorite bros being bros moment? The bro, this one, this one was pretty obvious for me. Um, I, cause I think it resonated with, with my friend group here. 
it's it's when the boys walk into E's shitty new office, and uh, and drama goes. Well, it doesn't exactly scream I'm Vincent Chase's manager. No, it screams I'm Johnny Chase's. <laughs> Why do I gotta get abused? We're trying to abuse him. It's just for a laugh. With every ball busting friend group, there's there's like there's often this tacit understanding that like one, when one person screws up or puts himself out there and fails, he gets ganged up on. Yeah. Know, until he's lost all dignity and it traumatizes him for life. And then that's and only then the shit talk can be divvied up between everybody else. So I can completely empathize with drama here about getting hit with that friendly fire um, when all they were trying to do was hate on uh, eat. Yeah, it's like that pile on mentality. And you sign up for that in a friends group, but you open yourself up to criticism at all times with every new move, every new outfit, every new decision you make. You open yourself up to extreme criticism and immediate like judgment, which is kind of the best part about being in a group of guys. Yeah, the new outfit thing is a great call. Like that, like getting a new outfit or putting on a hat. Yep. You know, I can't count how many times my friend group has met new people, and this is mostly like exclusively with girls we meet, and they say, "You guys are really mean to each other." Like, <laughs> no, it's just like the way we are because like that's not like a part of the fabric of female friendships there's like a reason it's called ball busting you know yeah i thought that was i thought that kind of resonated with me but what do you got so mine's actually just on the heels of that scene where they walked out they go we'll leave you with your fancy new office seat and turtle goes what are we going to do all day and vince is like that we'll figure it out come on guys let's leave my high-powered manager so he can earn us some money later what are we going to do all day we'll figure it out which is like a very guy thing. Like, we have nothing to do today, but we're all together, so let's, uh, I don't know, let's just bang around the neighborhood for a while, or let's pop into a couple stores. And also, by an extension, them wanting to buy E a new desk is very bros being bros. Like, that's a nice gesture. <laughs> right. It is, it's It's a really nice gesture, yeah. Well, I think we'll get to this in a bit with the others. I'll give my full take on this sure. uh, a little later, but... Sure. No, just the idea of, like, if my buddy... Like moved into a new apartment. My first move wouldn't be, hey guys, why don't we all go get uh, Matt a nice gift for his new apartment? You know, it just doesn't like. That's a yeah. little like contrived to me, but it's just also like very entourage. Like Vince is so generous and just wants to bequeath his riches upon his friends, his unlimited funds. Apparently, <laughs> unlimited. I don't know. I mean, it, it's good to be Vincent Chase. We'll just say that. Matt, what was your least favorite moment from this episode? So this is by far my is, is going to be my pettiest response. Let's hear it. Uh, and it's and it kind of it happens in the same scene as your favorite moment here. Okay. Uh, it's when the Aries have Jim and Jeff in his office, and he's trying to get to the bottom of you know Jeff betraying Jim by having sex with his wife. And then uh, you know, and since they're identical, Ari asks Jeff repeatedly if he's hooked up with her using his persona or the persona of his brother. And he doesn't answer. We get, this is no small detail, JR. Oh, that's true. Jim's relationship with his brother is irreparable. There's no doubt about that. The guy slept with his, with his wife. But was Jeff playing an imposter masquerading as Jim? Like, because then his marriage could be saved on the technicality. Because technically you couldn't blame your wife if she thought it was you. I, I don't mean to get, this is going to take a real super dark turn here. But if that's what he actually did. I'm pretty sure that's rape. <laughs> Dude, I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, like, cause that is like, you, you, you cannot, like, that's a dark storyline. And I think maybe that's why they wrote it out. Like they didn't, they wrote around it. They wrote around it. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, I was kind of waiting for that. And I was and it, like, kind of never came, but like, to this day, we will never know what became of Jim and his wife's love story ever. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely like a one-off you know, one episode plot. And by the way, Matt, I've done 50 episodes of this podcast, and this is the first time I've ever uttered the R word on an Entourage podcast, which is surprising, to be honest with you. <laughs> Wait, what did what, you say the R word? Rape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just block it out of my head at this point, dude. It's all good. Yeah, that is a little detail that is kind of like fudged over and never returned to again. I think, I think, okay, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here, but I think this whole episode being another plot-free episode on the heels of Dayfuckers was nice, but 
wasn't executed as well. Like, we talked about this when I had Frazier on last week when I was in New York. Like, day fuckers is the guys just want to go out and get laid. And there's no Medellin stuff. There's no Lost in the Cloud stuff. It's just, like, kind of a killing time episode. This episode doesn't do it as well. And I think particularly it fails, and this is my least favorite moment, in this whole E trying to get an office and scrambling to get his name out there, like, yeah. it just seemed a little left field to me. He's, like, calling Variety and then sad and then going in for this interview. It's just, like, what, all of a sudden one day you woke up after three years of living in Vince's house and were like, you know what? I want to make something of myself. It doesn't really come on the heels of anything. <sighs> that's a that's a great point. And it's, like, you have this, like, insatiable urge to, like, do it in an 8 by 8 office with, like, yeah one of those like shitty tables it's like where did this come from it's also one of those things where it's like a a rich people solution or like a, a rich person adjacent solution where he's like i got to get out there i want to i want to set up my own shop i'm going to go vince give me some money so i can go uh, set up my own office like dude why don't you get like a business card first like why don't you set up a website like do the hard work first and then spend the money and that's it's so true, and that and this is actually comes to fruition later in the op- later later in the episode when he actually gets the bigger office in the desk, and he goes, "Oh, thanks, Vince. Now I feel really worthless." Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like he just wanted to feel he wanted to feel important without actually doing the hard work that comes over a span of time. And maybe this is because I'm a little older, and maybe because it's eight in the morning on the <laughs> West Coast. But this happens a lot in terms of like people in entertainment and people in like the creative space, where they don't want to do the work, but they're willing to throw money at something in order to do the work. Like when I was doing stand up more regularly, I'd have so many people be like, "Dude, I just set up my website," and I'm like, "Your website? Like for what?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, I can put all my clips," and I'm like, "But you." You've only been doing stand-up for six months. Like, what clips are you putting up there? And they're like, yeah, I just want to get myself out there on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, you're trying to, like, take a shortcut. And that's not going to work. Like, do the sure. actual work first, E, then get the office. Then set up a fucking client list. <laughs> <laughs> I have a counterpoint to that. Let's hear it. Because it's like, yes, I agree with you. In principle, that should be the way things get done. But, like, let's take that that the bad baby. You know, that she was on Dr. Phil once, said she hated her mom, wanted her to die. And you, in the next year, she's a multi-million dollar recording artist. It's like, you just need that one. Like, if you make one video or something and like, it's so accessible now, like yeah. that everything is like, oh, you're going to get on Ellen because you made this one funny video. It's like, you can get that break now that, that might have taken, that might have been required years ago to kind of, you know hit the clubs, put the work in, mm-hmm. you know, right every day. So I think there are a lot of shortcuts uh, now that maybe people capitalize on more than they would years ago. You know what? That's a fair point. And I think it's only specific to stand-up comedy where it's viewed as like, you're, dude, you're like, you're not doing the actual work. You're doing all the like fluff work around the thing. But you're yeah. right. The The great, I always say the greatest thing about now, today's, this time period is that if you want to create something, you can just fucking do it. Whenever someone DMs me and goes, dude, how do I start a podcast? I'm like, you just buy a microphone and start talking into it. And then you can put it up on the internet and see if people like it. Like there, it isn't rocket science, you know? And there's, there's something interesting about how, like when I was 20 years ago, when I was like a kid in Chicago, like I couldn't do that. I didn't have access to, the entire Colorado river of the internet, like rushing people past me to try to get their attention. Like it's interesting. Are you still, are you still doing stand up? That it's, oh, that's a good question. That's um, it's on the back burner for sure. I think my day job and this and some other projects I'm working on have taken up the majority of my time as well as I just got married. So, you know, I had to dedicate ah. some of my time to my new yeah. life. Um, but man, you're just a jack of all trades here. It's I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I, I hope people can see that I'm trying. You know, that's that's what's most important. It comes out. You get a great podcast voice, and you're and you're an intelligent guy. So thanks, dude. Dude, going. you have a good podcast voice. We're just gonna bro out here for a minute. Like, I'm genuinely like, you need to do more like on video, on camera, on audio content. Like, I, thank you. Brandon alluded to that, and I was like, all right, let me see what this guy's got. And in the first 20 minutes, like, I'll bat you. Yeah, I, I constantly teeter between like, like I'm not a tweeter. Like I just, I, I constantly teeter between like doing my work and then like living online. Mm-hmm. And like I have a girlfriend now who who 
is on me constantly about like, why are you checking your phone? Like why? <laughs> and like, I, I, and I don't have an answer. She's like, can you just be present? And I'm like, no, yeah. this is more important than you Our love. You know? like, <laughs> so I don't know. It, I, I'm, I know I need to do more of that, but like, it's just, it's just doing it. Like you said, it's just doing it. And I don't know, maybe I haven't convinced myself yet. Well, I think that's a little bit more of a healthier mindset than the fucking sick addict that I am, like checking every single thing at all hours of the day. And my poor wife just resigned to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's once I, once I get my girl, then, then like once yeah. I get to like accept it. So she was really pumped that like I was on going to be on this podcast nice. because this like, lent credence to like, and then I'm like, no, I have to do this. And I was like watching Entourage in the other room. And I was like, babe, it's for work. Yeah. Oh yeah. There is uh, something very funny about my like life now where my wife would go, hey, do you want to do something Thursday night? And I'm like, I can't. I got to watch two episodes of Entourage. And she's yeah. like, what? And I'm like, it's work. Like, this yeah. is a job Trust for me. me. Pack, you know, it's just like, babe, it's work. <laughs> and I don't I don't know about you, but I, I watch this episode two or three times. I watch it. I watch it for the details. I need to miss nothing or else right. I'm going to hear about it from people. So. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it two times, two times full. And then I kind of went back to the things I was going to talk about and, you know, made sure I didn't I didn't miss miss anything. That's great. So on that yeah. note, what was the most entourage moment of this week's episode of Entourage, Matt? Ah, uh, this was I mean, I, I struggled with this for a little bit, uh, but I think it's got to be Vince somehow not only getting the blonde desk salesman to break, break client confidentiality, like, but also then sleeping with her magically. Yeah. I swear that dude was a leper or something in a previous life. And now is like, has gotten all the riches in this life. And you know, this is another small detail, but he's in, he, they're, they're in the desk store, which I, I guess exists. Yeah, so sure. Antique, so, uh, yeah, high-end furniture. High-end furniture, yeah. And this beautiful blonde walks by, and Vince just assumes she works there. He's like, <laughs> hey, well, like, do you know about this desk? And she's like, yes, I've been working at this desk store for so long. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it just happens for Vince, and, you know, more power to him, too. You know? Eight out of ten times, that's kind of like a homely woman or like a really old dude you know like that yeah, the girl yeah. a girl that looks like that isn't working at an antique furniture place not antique like you know modern furniture place uh yeah she's selling protein shakes online you know exactly. you know ten thousand dollars a post we can talk about that when we get to you know how this right. episode would be different i guess mine is it's very similar where we have the same uh wavelength here just that whole scene like the desk costing forty two grand. Mickey Rooney sat at it in Breakfast of Tiffany's. The guy walks by. He's like, "Oh, actually, it's De Niro's desk too." And the hot yeah. sales associate. This is a signed Majorelle, built in the nineteen thirties. Mickey Rooney sat at this desk in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm. <laughs> That's ironic. We want it so another small Irishman can sit at it. <laughs> oh, is this a gift? Yeah. That's very thoughtful. How thoughtful? Forty two thousand. Get a hundred years plasma for that, then. This is an investment, though. This desk will appreciate like a piece of art. And Robert De Niro owned that desk. Really? Yes, Scorsese gave it to him as a gift after New York, New York bombed. It was the only thing that survived after his Malibu home went up in flames. Is this true? Cost my heart and hope to die. Hmm. I'm sold. Wonder if De Niro ever fucked on this desk. Hmm. I don't know, Drama. Why don't you uh, lean over and sniff it for ball wax? Turtle, come on. You have to ruin the desk for me? I'm sorry, Thanks. He, like, charms. It's just absurd. It just wouldn't happen in that same... It wouldn't happen that way at all. And it just, of course, all miraculously works out. She tells him. She braids client <laughs> consumer confidentiality. She tells him who it is. They know who he is. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and then they show up on his doorstep, you know? It's just yeah. all kind of works together. In the same afternoon, apparently. <laughs> In the same afternoon is right. While he makes three phone calls. Okay. <laughs> now, what was your favorite line or quote from this week's episode? There's some good ones. There's some good ones, but it, it's got to be Shauna. Oh. When, when her assistant, Christy, brings in her baby and yep. says that he puked on her, Shauna, you know, dismisses her and said, you know, I'm sure that's not the only guy to puke on you. <laughs> How, how much can you, how much more can you hurt someone who, you know, just got vomited on? Um, 
This yeah. would have been actually my best burn of the week uh, if it wasn't for a technicality. Okay. Uh, it was a continuity error here that I oh. picked up from IMDb. Let's sure. let's let's get to it in a second, but I I, I want to do a few quotes first. Um, yeah, no, uh, Sean is amazing this episode. We'll talk a little bit more about her. Um, Busey, you know, I'm tired of Busey at this point. But when he s- greets them at his front door, he says, "The tortoise, the hare, and the millionaire." <laughs> it's so good to see you guys. I've had walking pneumonia for the past couple of weeks. Haven't had any guests, but for the beginning of new guests, you are the best. What is this guy? Is he writing a novel? Like it's incredible. <laughs> I know. It's I I actually didn't even pick up on that because every I there there needs to be a study on every word Busey says. I literally didn't even pick up on that. So thank you for bringing that into my life. Famously, and I brought this up. This is his third episode he's appeared in. Thankfully, it's his last. He <laughs> ad libs all of his lines. Dud Allen and Jerry Ferrara have both confirmed. Like, no, we we don't have a script with Jerry. We uh with uh Derry. We just like react to him and whatever makes it on the film we put up there, which is pretty incredible considering how much money goes into this fucking show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost, it's almost less likely that this, what he says is scripted, you know, when he's got the paint and he's like going, blah, 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 you know, he's like mumbling to himself. It's like, just to see that in script font, it's like, get, you know, Gary Busey mumbles. Like, yep. it's like, it almost makes less sense if that's the case. Definitely. Any other quotes? The quote, I had another one where it was like, uh, actually on the, on the Busey tick, it was uh, when he goes, you, when Turtle goes, you kind of scare me, Gary. And <laughs> Why are you so quiet? You scare me, Gary. It's your reflection of the mirror that scares you, Turtle. It's such a third grade insult, but like somehow Busey made it like sound different. So I don't know, props, props to Gary Busey for, you know, for being that weird and props to jerry farrar because he looks genuinely uncomfortable the entire scene he looks like yeah, he wants to great. be anywhere but gary Busey's house <laughs> I know. last line and then we'll move on uh they're talking about the desk and drama goes i wonder if de niro ever fucked on this desk and turtle goes i don't know drama why don't you lean over and sniff it for ball wax <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was fucking incredible that was incredible their interplays that was, that was, was in so the good. Mix. i was gonna include it but i figured you might pick up on that too all right, let's hear the best burn in the continuity era. I, lo- I love, by the way, that you're bringing some like new theories and new like pieces of information to these categories. Let's drum up some conspiracy theories let's do it. here. So, so this, it didn't, uh, Shauna's quote about the, you know, baby getting vomited on or whatever. Yep. It didn't make my burn of the week for this reason. I get another one, but um, the continuity or it's in a previous episode, Shauna's baby is a girl, and in this episode, the baby is a boy. Obviously, it only works the, the line. I'm not sure, you know. I'm not. I'm sure that's not the only guy to puke on you. Yeah, only works if the baby's a boy. So they transgendered the baby just to humiliate Chris. <laughs> think about I it. That. that would be the best burn. So that's hands up. That's my bad. No, that's. That's a great call, something I completely missed, and something that Entourage and Dud Ellen have done pretty regularly, just changing up family dynamics, genders, ages. He's even said, like, he didn't really care as long as it worked for the plot of that episode, which I kind of respect in a weird way. Because besides us, who are doing, like, a deep educational dive on this, like, yep. there aren't, and it's fascinating, but there aren't many people who are going to be like, oh. I caught that mistake, you know, it's like, so more power to him. You know? Yeah, this is the only academic viewing of Entourage, is what I say. Like, there's, there aren't any other podcasts, no one's written a book, I mean. This is why this fills a void, dude. This is the premier Entourage <laughs> content out there today. In the it's, last easy, uh, it's easy to be premier when you're the only one. Hey, you're the best. I have, after Mary J. Blige, like, like leaves Ari's agency and is apparently going off to her other agency. Ari rushes into Jeff's office. Jeff! Hey, Ari, you got it right. What the hell? How can one embryo produce two fucking losers? Ari, what's the problem? The problem is you're a disgusting mutant. Now go reconjoin with your brother on the unemployment line. It's kind of one of those sneaky Ari Gold firing of people lines that people don't really bring up that often there's always the how oh, he fires the mailroom guy accidentally and then he goes the get the fuck out speech 
to O'Brien yeah. Talon. And then there's the iconic, he storms through the office with the uh, paintball gun. But this is pretty fucking good. Yeah. I mean, I- I've I've always said that, well, I've always said, I've said it twice. I've said that calling someone a loser and really meaning it is more harmful than 90% of the insults out there. I like, like that. If my ex called me a douchebag, it wouldn't affect me as much as she called me a loser. A douchebag is a persona. A loser is an aura. You know, it's like being smelly. Yeah. There's nothing you can really do to come back. Loser cuts deep. Like if you loser were, if you're dating someone and it's falling apart, it's in the downward spiral. It's in the bottom part of the funnel, as you would say. And they say, you know, but you're just a loser. That fucking kills you as a guy. Yeah, and in that moment, you're like, loser. You yeah. know, it's like you're disgusted by, you know, you're afraid it's contagious. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, you, it, it puts a stink on you that, like, you just can't <laughs> get rid of. Yeah. Every week, Matt, we talked about our favorite songs. We have a Spotify playlist called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. The link to listen to that is in the show notes of today's episode. What song jumped out at you from this week's episode or songs? It's... The the very first scene, the Ghetto Boys, damn it, feels good yeah. to be a gang. Not a bad neighborhood, eh? And you're relatively close to the House of Wax. <laughs> you got a gypsy loop right across the street. And if you had a hard day, you're only damn a few steps you. away from a $50 blowjob. Please, we passed $50 10 blocks ago. But what do you need an office for anyway? You don't get it. You didn't get the concept of having a job to you at 25 terms, oh. so I wouldn't expect you to. Hey, if it's my place, it's not doing it. We can make some modifications, make the environment more work-friendly. I appreciate that, John, but the only modification that would work would be having you guys move out. Why? Are we distracting? Uh, I haven't turtle blow bong hits in my face, and I'm trying to read a script that's motivating. <laughs> this is the building? Shut up and get in there. It, I mean, it's it's hands down the best song ever played in the worst situation. Like, <laughs> name, a, name, like name a gangsta who, like, they're on the way to go. No, they're on the way into the office. But like, it, it's it's a confusing choice. But then again, so is making a desk the protagonist of the episode. Agreed. You know? And I think it's supposed to like be ironic because he's like in a shithole part of like Hollywood Boulevard. And ah, yes, like it's not really that he's a gangster, but it's still got a good sound to it. Right. I don't know. I I thought it was interesting. Obviously, this song to me, I don't know about. You, you're a little younger than me. This song reminds me of the film Office Space, the Mike Judge movie. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's you know, it's it's an iconic scene where Peter like comes back to the office after he's basically just like blew off his boss all weekend, and it just I don't know he he knots down the cubicle wall next to him, so he has like an open air cubicle, and as a twenty two year old in the cubes, as you know. Right out of school, it just felt like, damn, that would be amazing to do. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, but then again, like that song being played there, it works. It like yeah. enhances the, but like this one, it's like, you know, you're walking into an, you never hear a rapper like name drop staples in a line. It's sure. Like, you know, it's like, so I don't know. I found it. I, I obviously love the song and you can play it anywhere, but you know what that song would be good. It's good for like, and I'm from Boston kid. I run on Duncan. Mm-hmm. But it's for like when uh, Matt Damon like goes and how do you like them apples? Like yeah. that's a feel good to be a gangster moment. Like yeah. walking into E's like prison cell of an office doesn't jive <laughs> with me. But I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. No, I think you're looking at it completely the right way. One more song call out. I want to call out Play the Drum by Zeph and Azim. It plays. God, this is like ridiculous. Like the movers can't get the desk up into E's office. And. <laughs> Like, Vince, Drama, and Turtle show up, and the song Play the Drum is playing, and it's a Scott Venner, like, deep cut that ever since I watched the episode twice last night, I've been singing to myself in the shower when I woke up this morning while I was making breakfast. Like, it's just got a catchy hook, and I'm a sucker for anything catchy. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, they could literally be singing about, like, killing babies, but if it's kind of catchy, like, I would just be singing. Yeah, you you make up your own words, and it becomes yours. Hey, fellas. It's got the message. What's the problem? This thing will never get up to that office. No way. The stairwell is too narrow and it won't fit in the elevator. Can't just jack it up through the window? Turtle, we couldn't fit you through that window. What are you, a smirk? <laughs> it's funny, wise-ass. I thought so. <laughs> Sorry, Vince. It's a one-piece desk. The only way you get that bad boy up there is if you cut a hole in the roof and helicoptered in. How much would that cost? It's a joke, smirk. Any other suggestions? Yeah. Return the desk and get your money back. 
Man, it's too nice for this shithole anyway. But, Kate, can I give you props? Uh, so I was listening to the, the podcast with uh, comedian Wensler Powers, and you brought up a song that I hadn't listened to in years, and that is an absolute scud missile. Lady no, lady Don't Techno. Oh, Dude. so good. <laughs> yeah. Incredible song. Ever since that episode, you know, you make your own Spotify playlist, you work out. I've had Lady Don't Techno on the top of, like, one of my most recent Spotify playlists, and I've probably listened to that song 300 times since me and Wensler recorded. That was a great episode, by the way. If you guys haven't listened to the episode with Wensler Powers, we had a lot of fun with it. Go back three, yeah. four weeks. I listened to that top to bottom. It was great. Okay. Um, we haven't had a celebrity cameo in three or four weeks, and there are three in this episode. Which do you want to talk about first? Who would you think was the better celebrity cameo? Mary J. Blige? Gary Busey or Peter Jackson? I mean, it's just got to be the the lesser of all evils here. I hate to be, you know, a, a negative Nancy here, but I mean, I'd say that uh, Busey and I'll, I'll Peter Jackson didn't have enough didn't have enough time on screen, so I, I'd automatically him out. And another IMDb pickup here yep. that Mary J. Blige was walking around on camera in the back of the office before she was even supposed to be there. You know, so, so I was just trying to look for that, and I couldn't spot it. Dude, I couldn't spot it either, but I mean, I, I just thought I was blind, but but I'd still give it to Busey. But I don't know. I feel like Mary J. Blige didn't really move her face at all. She was just yeah. like, like, even like, you're you're an animal, Ari, and it's like, there wasn't any emotion behind that. Yeah. I mean, she's a legend, but like, I, I, she didn't really do it for me. She's an absolute legend. She's had 13 albums, eight of which have gone multi-platinum. She's won nine Grammys, four American Music Awards. And she's also been nominated for her acting performances. She's received three Golden Globe nominations. So she's kind of the only person to have transcended R&B, hip-hop, gospel, acting. In 2010, she was ranked 80th on VH1's list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. Dude, this this woman is a legend. She's known as the queen of R&B and the queen of hip-hop and soul. But she might not be that great of an actress. <laughs> yeah, or maybe this just wasn't her, you know, wasn't her role, you know? I mean, yeah. she, you can only succeed so much in life before you have one flop, you know? It's, However, so. I did like when she, like, enters the office initially. She's a chick, Lloyd. There may be hope for you yet. Hey. There she is. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm mm. great. You look stunning. Thank you. You pick out that suit just for me? Actually, my wife did. You like? You smell nice. <laughs> Everyone, this is Miss Mary J. Blige. Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Let's get started. Let's do it. Ari, where's Jim? That was a nice moment because that is something I see celebrities do often. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I've, you know, I've, this is going to sound ridiculous. I've in, interacted with celebrities pretty often in my line of work and in what we do. And when you do, they kind of just have this air about them where they're quick to criticize, quick to forget, just want to like say something clever to everybody and don't really give a fuck. And I, and in a way I respect that because yeah. How else are you supposed to act when you're like literally in the center of a fishbowl everywhere you go? Right. And so she kind of does that well in this. But I agree with you; she's not that great of an actress. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You know, you're making me you're making me be more optimistic about life. So I appreciate that, Jr. I have to be more optimistic about these episodes, especially as we round the corner into seasons five and six and seven. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Peter Jackson, you mentioned. You know, according to the season four DVD commentary, the scene that he was in, which was, you know, 90 seconds, he set that up and he shot it himself in New Zealand. Hello. Hello, Eric Murphy. Speaking. Hey, Peter Jackson calling from New Zealand. Hi. Thanks for getting back to me. Would have called you yesterday, but no one down here knew who the hell you were. Eric Murphy, now, you're not related to Eddie by any chance. Well, I'm not. Just a little wind-up, mate. Look, I saw the Variety article. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. A little media bashing every now and again keeps us all honest. But I'll tell you something about Ari Gold. There's only one thing a cretin like that understands, and that's an airborne telephone right between the eyes. Anyway, it's good to know that those of us that want to be in the Vincent Chase business have got a legitimate manager to talk to. Oh, thank you. So, look, I'm, uh, I'm actually kind of busy, so what exactly do you want? Well, I wanted to talk to you about your gaming company. Uh, well, I'm actually going to be in the States next week. 
So why don't we do this? Why don't we have your assistant call my assistant and then decide what to do from there? How's that sound? Great. Thank you. Cheers. It personally cost him $15,000 to create that scene for Entourage, which is crazy. That's wild. Was he an Entourage fan? A super fan so much that like... Wait, so he fronted, he fronted his own money or was he it He fronted just his like, own money. In the expense report. Maybe it was in the expense report. I'm taking this all from the IMDb trivia, but... Well, I mean, it's probably a drop in a bucket to him, but you know, we're talking about this 10 years later, so it's, it's money well spent. As we all know, you know... He produced, wrote, and directed the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. He is the third highest grossing film director of all time. His films have oh, made God. over $7 billion. So yeah, 15 grand, probably just, he he drops that on the sidewalk as he bends over to pick up a... Yeah, that's in between the cushions. That's yeah. nothing. I, did, I do not agree with you on the Derry Busey thing. I have been sick of him for the last two appearances. Ooh, Okay. Yeah. We might we might duke it out here. Dude. Let's do it, man. I I just maybe it's just like I get it. He's a wild card. He has some funny moments with drama every time. But like by the third appearance, you're like, okay, like is this going to be of any substance? And really, I think it's also the fact that it's like surrounding this stupid fucking desk that I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. did we just like throw a dart at a dartboard of celebrity cameos that we've had already, and we're just going to pull Busey back into this? Like, I don't know. I just didn't love yeah, it. I mean is he featured like I don't know I would have liked to see him around like maybe like uh being hit on by a woman or something see how he takes those but instead like he's exactly in his comfort zone which is like being a, like I don't know I feel like you're right I feel like there's other situations he could have been put in where he'd be more properly utilized instead of like oh Busey's the weird guy what was something that was outdated about this episode or maybe how would this be different if it aired today in 2020 I, I think we'll start with the obvious, I guess, you know, who the hell goes desk shopping? And, you know, <laughs> like, yo, do you, and I can get that desk in two hours on Amazon. Free delivery uh, too. Yeah. Free delivery. You know, yeah. even people with nothing better to do, don't do that anymore. Never yeah. mind like Hollywood superstars. It, grab a tape measure, measure the space you need to put it in and then look at the dimensions online. So you don't actually have to physically go and fucking see the thing. <laughs> exactly. It's so, it's so easy, you know, so that, that came out. I mean, and I almost, I almost choked on my surge when E called up the newspaper to take out the ad. Yeah. You know, it's like, that was like a dinosaur move. <laughs> choked on uh, my surge. That's good. I have a good one actually here um, for how this okay. episode would be different. And it actually just occurred to me last night after I watched the episode. So I live in California. This episode takes place in California. California is what you call a no cause state where you can let somebody go from a job for no reason. You sign papers before you work anywhere in California uh, that usually say you can be let go with no cause, without cause, essentially. Oh, so wow. this whole plot of like Ari being like, well, Jim earns less than you, so I'm going to fire Jim, even though Jeff slept with Jim's wife. Like, Ari could in that scene just be like, well, you're both fucking fired. And he wouldn't even be able to fire them. He'd just be like, we're letting you two go. This will be your last day at the Miller Gold Agency. Oh, wow. And that would be it. And it wouldn't be this whole thing where it's like based upon earnings and you earn more than the other one and so it's super unfair but i don't give a fuck like he gives this speech where he's like as repulsed as i am by the fact that you fucked your twin brother's wife it's not my problem fucking your co-worker's wife that is but now i've got a bigger problem please tell me that you are jeff i'm jim how can anyone tell you two apart i wear a windsor not what does it matter jeff has out-earned you significantly for the past three years. So you won't fire him? Buddy, listen to me. I run a business here, not the UN. Clearly, you two will never be able to work together again. So what? You're going to fire me? You're leaving me no choice. I'm sure some California fucking attorneys are going to slide into my DMs and go, actually, <laughs> and I'm going to yeah, go, okay. Yeah. Yo, you know, this is my show. <laughs> Faces in the crowd, a couple of faces that are just in the backgrounds, play bit parts that I want to throw out there. Uh, Matt, did you ever watch Community? No, I've, I've heard it was funny. Um, I haven't, though. Community is one of the more underrated, like, lost uh, broadcast sitcoms of the mid-2000s that was created and written by Dan Harmon, who does Rick and Morty, which is very popular yeah. now. So it's yeah. very, very funny. It's had a very funny cast of characters, and one of them... Yvette Nicole Brown is in this episode as the Daily Variety agent that uh, 
E calls to take out the ad. Daily variety ad sales. Can I help you? Hi, I'd like to uh, take out an ad in tomorrow's paper announcing my company. Okay, no problem. I need the name of your business. The Murphy Group. The Murphy Group. Yeah, you like that? It's okay. What do you do? I represent Vincent Chase. Ooh, I like Aquaman. Cool. But according to the SAG database, Ari Gold represents Vincent Chase. Well, I, I'm his manager. Oh, that's nice. Who else do you represent? Just Vince. So why the group? I, I thought it sounded good. What, it doesn't? There was a group in my... Well, whatever, I'm gonna go with the group. What do you want the ad to say? The Murphy Group is proud to be representing Vincent Chase. Okay, but we need confirmation that you actually managed Vincent Chase before we could use his name. What kind of confirmation? Client management papers, perhaps? Well, I don't have those. You represent Vincent Chase with no papers? Yes. Do you think that's smart? Look, what else can I do to confirm? You can have Ari Gold's office call us because we know who he is. And then one more, the delivery man of the desk, Wendell Middlebrooks. Do you recognize him from anywhere? Wendell Middlebrooks. Yeah. No, and this is my least strong category because I'm I'm a I'm not good at like oh I know that guy from no that. worries. So you're gonna have to burden this. Sure, Wendell Middlebrooks. He's like the big kind of like comedic African American guy who keeps calling drama a Smurf as they're asking him about the desk. Wendell Middlebrooks was famously in the Miller High Life ad campaign where he oh. would just show up with a big case of Miller High Life and he'd go, "That's living the high life." incredible like commercial actor legend good to see him getting like paid premium table work here sadly passed away in his home of a pulmonary embolism at the age of 36 four or five years oh, ago so yeah super sad yeah um, how far how long ago was that after uh he appeared in this show eight years so yeah. he, he went on to continue to work and i i think most people will remember him from the high life campaign and that's how I know him, especially working in TV advertising. he's It's kind of a yeah. legendary campaign. Those at home, pour one out for Wendell, baby. Pour a high life out. <laughs> Sits man, who are we giving it to? I'm going to I'm gonna go Shauna, dude. She was a, she was a boss bitch in this episode. She, she appeared for like, tw you know, all, JR, all we can hope to do in this life is make the most of our time. Yep. You know, Shauna appeared in this episode for 12 seconds and killed two people. First, she, she's walking in with the, the pantsuit, the red lipstick, the matching heels. True tour de force. Yep. Then she rips E, uh, you know, calling him uh, the Roto-Rooter man because he <laughs> called up and tried to get an ad, which was hilarious. I laughed at that. And then the baby comment. So two murders in like eight seconds. It's a full day's work. Congratulations to Shauna for your sixth man. We are 100% on the same page. It's Shauna. She's back. It's been nearly, it's been nearly like a full season since we've seen her. And I think that's because of her real life pregnancy. And dude, to be honest, Debbie Mazur looks incredible. She looks like she's been doing Pilates three times a day for a year. Yeah. She's, she's got a certain sex appeal too. And the, that like kind of like lisp, it's, it's, it's super endearing too. She's, yeah. she's got, she works what she's got like, like, to perfection, so. Hello? Please tell me you're not the idiot that's been calling Variety trying to take out an ad. This isn't happening. Do you really think that if someone calls the press and throws Vince's name around, that I'm not gonna hear about it? Look, I'm not trying to keep it a secret, Sean. I'm just trying to get my name out there a little bit. By taking out an ad? Who are you, the fucking Roto-Rooter man? You want your name out there, you call me. All right, Shauna, well, now that I have you on the phone, I'd like my name out there a little bit. Ask me nicely. Shauna. Go to Variety, ask for Jackie Stone. She'll be there till four. She'll do a press release on you, ask you a couple of questions, write a few sentences. We'll take you 20 minutes tops and it won't cost you a dime. Wow. Thanks, Shauna. Where's my fucking kid? Oh. He threw up on me. Oh, relax, Christy. I'm sure he's not the first guy to puke on you. It's, it's Shauna, for sure. What was your favorite Johnny Drama moment this week? My favorite Johnny Drama moment... This is a side note, but him wearing that Benny the Jet Rodriguez Henley with the clip art motorcycle on the front, I just couldn't, like, get past that. It was just <laughs> such a tough look, like, tucked into his jeans. Um, I think I mentioned these, like, there were a couple drama moments I mentioned before, but another one was just, I always love hearing, like, Johnny boast about his, like, modest career. Relax, <laughs> he's just a little press. It's his first real press measure, and he's nervous. Yeah, I remember my first piece of press. Backstage West. I couldn't get an audition to save my life until my groundbreaking role as Lenny. Headline on page 14 read of Mice, the man known as 
Johnny Chase. Did they dub you Candlelight Dinner Theater's biggest and best retard? <laughs> Fresh turtle. It's so minuscule compared to his brother, but like he's he he loves what he's got, and like that's it's an endearing quality. So good for you, Johnny. Dude, he should because in any other group of friends, if he didn't have a movie star older brother, he'd be the famous guy. He would. He would. I know. He he's the uh, the Donnie Wahlberg, you know. It's like he was he's had a good he's had a career for himself, but Mark Wahlberg wakes up at three AM, you know. You can't, <laughs> you can't Instagrams himself working out in the middle of the night for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason. Why? I don't know. Um one last drama line when uh, Busey proposes I want to paint on you, and Vince goes, Come on, Johnny, it's for E. Drama does, I don't know, bro. I've got tiny pores. I could suffocate, which is <laughs> typical neurotic, like nervous drama. You know, didn't, didn't on the. Neurotic is a good way to put it. Who besides Vince won this episode, Matt? Uh, this is E, no doubt. I mean, the dude makes like one phone call is in, yeah. and is awarded with like a $50,000 breakfast at Tiffany's desk. <laughs> or like a meeting with Peter Jackson because like Jackson thinks Ari Gold's a dick. Like, yeah. it's like, he's, he's, you know, he wins, you know, it's, uh, gets a better office and, you know, it works out for him. Yeah. Finally, this, I mean, he makes, he decides to work for one day. <laughs> he gets a new desk, a new office and the Peter Jackson meeting all set up from a couple phone calls. So he's, uh, he's firing on all cylinders. He wins the episode. He doesn't get to sleep with the uh, desk saleswoman, but you know, that's Vince. Vinny wins every week. If anyone's every week, yeah. Was this an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode, Matt? You can do pluses um, or minuses, too. Okay, so I, no Sloan, no yeah. Miss Ari, yep. no real baller moments, yep. no face-to-face interaction with Ari and the boys, yep. very little substance abuse. You know, And if you had told me that this episode was going to open with the Ghetto Boys and feature Busey, Mary J. Blige... I was like, I would told told you like, I hope they don't make it about a desk. <laughs> and so this episode was underwhelming, like even for a guy who like just entered this because I was coming on the podcast. I'm gonna go. I don't want to say D. I'm gonna go a C C minus episode. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 flirting with a D though. It's got <laughs> it's, it's got some stuff that doesn't pan out. It's got some stuff that only exists in this episode. And when you think about the rewatchability of Entourage episodes, this doesn't even crack the top half. Yeah, I would Agreed. go. I might go D plus for that reason. To be honest with you, dude. Like, wow. I'm harder on it though. I have to be. Yeah, you got You got to be harder. Yeah. What character in your own real life Entourage are you closest to? This is, I actually, I, I wrote this down because it's it's tough to say, but I can, I'll, I'll list a quality of each I like aspire to emulate. If that <laughs> All right. Um, I'd want ease, you know, we were, just, we were just shitting on ease work ethic this entire time, but I mean, it's all relative. Ease work ethic and baby mama Sloan. Sure. Um, uh, Vince's olive skin and his cosmic energy that, you know, somehow everything always works out for him. Um, Lloyd's ability to take constructive criticism, Turtle's collection of sports and weed paraphernalia, uh, Drama's calves, and Ari's like lexicon when he's angry. I mean, I can never find the words when I'm upset at one to someone to like body bag him on the spot. Sure. And so he's he's so good at that, being like, you know, making people think about the insults for a while in the heat of the moment. And that's I think that's. Uh, that's a good quality to have. So that's who you aspire to be. Right. But who are you in your own real life entourage? I guess, I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm drama. Like, I think I get it. I don't know. I feel like I bring a lot of, uh, like I'm the butt of a lot of jokes, but in like a endearing way, like people know I can take it and people know I can dish back. That's great. So like people are, are very easy to, uh, which I, I, I think it's nice. You know, I think it's, it's, it's some, it's right where I want to be. Like I can take it and I can, I can dish it, you know, yeah. people don't, you know, people don't really hate on people that like in, in the, in the friend group that they don't think is strong enough to take it. So I think in, in a way that's a roundabout compliment to myself. So. I think that is. And I think drama is one of our favorite characters in the show. We have a whole category dedicated to him and we talked about him and Kevin Dillon's performance ad nauseum. So it's a good, it's a good person to align with. Matt, I'm so glad we finally got to do this, man. Thank you so much for coming on the uh, Entourage podcast. 
JR, you're doing God's work. I appreciate it. Where can the listeners follow you, find you, read your writing? Uh, follow me on borobible.com. Uh, and I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet much, but if, if I start getting some followers, maybe I will. I'm at, at the King Cohan. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm on Venmo too. Uh, Matt Cohen, you know, send me five bucks. It's cool. If I get some followers, I'll start tweeting more. I think it's the other way around, pal. You got to start tweeting more. You know? I love it. Dude, thanks for joining. Let's get together next time I'm on the East Coast and let's do this in person. Let's do it, brother. All right, thanks. Thanks.